Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 587, with Chef Stephen Paparaki. Yeah, be kind and courteous to everyone on the way up. Be kind and courteous to everyone on the way down, because you'll see those same people on your way back up again. That's the best way of doing it. So be be nice, be empathetic, you know what I mean? Be sincere, and be, be truthful. That's it. Are you ready for It Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Everybody loves payday, am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable. And when you run your first payroll you'll get your first three months free again that's gusto.com slash unstoppable here is a statistic for you 89 percent of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out so you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. I'm sure you've heard of Revel, but have you heard of the Revel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Revel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at revelsystems.com slash un. Stoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Stephen Paparaki. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? Most definitely, sir. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. So, hailing from Dunkirk, New York, at the age of 19, Chef Stephen Paparaki moved to San Antonio after falling in love with the city during a previous vacation. He's worked at some of the finest restaurants in San Antonio, spent years as an Omni Task Force chef, as well as received formal training in a degree from Johnson and Wales University. Today, Chef Paparaki wears a number of hats, including chef, restaurant consultant at Top Chefa LLC, food entrepreneur with his business, Texas Black Gold Garlic, managing partner at Pharma from the Farm, president of San Antonio's Chef Cooperatives, and uh, his most important role, in my opinion, mentor for Launch SA. I cannot wait to dive into your story to find out how you got to where you are today and to uh, learn from what you've from what you've learned along the way. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? One team, one goal. One team, one goal. How does that resonate with you? Oh, it's, it's, it's like anything else. An individual can fail. A team is unstoppable. Yeah, I see what you did there. I like it too. Great way to get this thing started. So Tell me about when you got into the industry and when you knew this was going to be your career, food and beverage. No, I don't think I ever knew it would be my career. That's the best way of doing it. I mean, I started at like a little restaurant in an outskirt of Buffalo, New York called uh, the Fireside Manor. I was uh, 16 years old. I interviewed for my first job. They had two openings. It was either going to be busboy or it was going to be dishwasher slash prep cook. So at the time, I didn't even know what a busboy was. So it was like, what's a busboy? And they were like, oh, come here, Darren. And then this guy came up and he's like, well, basically we take this pepper mill and we sprinkle it over salads and everything else. And it just didn't sound assuming. I was like, you know what? I'll take the prep cook thing. You know, that was pretty much it. No, nice. And a dishwasher. So I was happy. So you were working as a young kid, just kind of at this time, you know, just it's a job, right? You're just trying to make some money. Uh, you eventually took a vacation to San Antonio, yeah? Yeah. So I was... Working up there, I ended up becoming a, a line cook in New York and everything else. And I came down here on vacation. I just I fell in love with it. 
I think the the biggest thing was is that I came down here in like December and it wasn't cold. There wasn't 18 feet of snow on right. the ground. I can relate Pe- to that. <laughs> people didn't have like that I'm mad at the world attitude. Everybody was friendly. It was multicultural. It was beautiful. I mean, I was excited. I seen a squirrel for the first time running a power line and it wasn't a rat. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've been to New York, but it was like, oh, this is, I like it here. I'm going to stay here. Yeah, man, I'm picking up what you're putting down. And I'm curious, I don't want to jump over your earlier days. When you first got into the industry, was there somebody who worked at, uh, was the fireside? Yeah, fireside matter. Was there anybody there that really made an impression on you? Anybody that really imprinted on you as far as how they ran their kitchen or their restaurant? Uh, or did that maybe come later in life? No, I, I definitely think so. There was a lady named Luann that was a front of the house manager that taught like procedures and making sure the kitchen was always clean. She was on point. She was like one of the nicest ladies ever. Tom, the owner, was all about like best quality product for the cheapest price. You could already see little things that you would end up looking back at knowing that they helped do that. But the chef, 100%, Arthur Wiles, you know what I mean? He was from New York and everything else. When I moved down to San Antonio, the first place I went was La Manciana. I looked at the hotel. I was like, man, I'd like to work there. Let me put it in an application. I did. And I wrote down, Arthur Wiles is my chef up there in New York. And then about an hour later, I got a phone call from the executive sous chef. And he's like, hey, our executive chef knows your chef in New York. You're right. Really likes him. <laughs> you know, respects yeah. him. It, it was a small world. That's the best way I say yeah. everything happens for a reason. But that was it. If it wasn't for him in New York, I mean, I wouldn't have got the job. Mm. That's the best way of putting it. So if you have any, like, key lessons, any formative uh, experiences, can you, can you hone in on any of those? Yeah, be kind and courteous to everyone on the way up. Be kind and courteous to everyone on the way down. Because you'll silly those same people on your way back up again. That's yes. the best way of doing it. So be be nice. Be empathetic. You know what I mean? Be sincere and be be truthful. That's I dig it. it, man. I really do. So you come out to San Antonio uh, because of just how awesome it is out here. And from somebody from New Hampshire, I totally know what you're saying. It's funny. I have roommates. The other day it was 37 degrees. Yeah, and they're like, you're going out on your bike? It's freezing. I'm like, no, it's actually above freezing. You don't know what freezing feels like. <laughs> like when your boogers freeze in your nose. Oh, like, yeah, that's definitely, cold. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Anyway, I digress. So you come out to San Antonio. Uh, you land a job at, was this, you're just talking about that? It's yeah. Les Canarias Restaurant. It's at La Muncian Hotel. It was four star, four diamond preferred hotel. Beautiful place, old school architecture. You know what I mean? It was modeled after like the Canary Islands hotels. Uh, it's a lot of open air, breathtaking views. You know what I mean? It was just a beautiful place. Is this the same as the Omni? Is this uh, the Omni? Omni bought it okay, afterwards. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. When I first came down here, it was under uh, the Kennedy crew. So Mr. Kennedy owned that property, and he also started building a, the Watermark Hotel and Spa right across the river from it. So that was a small 99-room boutique hotel that was geared towards more of like Five Diamond, uh, more service-driven, you know what I mean? More modern, woodworking, you know what I mean? Um, beautiful chandeliers. It, w- it was, and it's got a spa. You know what yeah. I mean. So the Kennedy Group, I mean, they were the nicest people. These people, um, they threw like parties for all the all the associates. You know, they'd come in and eat. They come in the kitchen and tip the cooks money. You know what I mean? They were like, it wasn't just that they were an ownership. They were an ownership that were involved, and they were they were very sincere and righteous. And that was something like me. If I ever became an owner, that's how I'd want to run. An organization, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'll be honest, I'm a little outside of my comfort zone talking about the the hospitality, uh, the the hotel side of hospitality, because most of my guests are restaurateurs. They come up uh, in the restaurant scene. Uh, but anything that we should know about taking that vertical uh, of the hotel route, that or any unique uh, angles or anything that should be uh, on our radar if we are thinking about going that route. Freestanding in hotels, well. <laughs> the only difference is beds and heads. You know, is you're they're more room par driven and everything else. Restaurant is an added value. Uh, restaurant, you got to worry about day to day revenues and everything else. Um, hotels are usually more culturally driven, uh, more HR oriented, um, and also there's like more things like drug testing stuff like that. Freestanding, you can slip through the cracks in hotels. No, you know what I mean? It's pretty much straight arrow, straight lace. Got you. Um, so when you transitioned out, well, you had worked in restaurants prior to working at the hotel. Yeah. Uh, what was the biggest transition for you? What was the hardest part about that transition? No, I think transition was like just being from New York to Texas. You know what I mean? 
being in HR community and stuff like that, you know, it's just, you know, you got a New York attitude. Make sure you don't say the F-bomb. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Little things like that. It's not, it's not in a kitchen. You know what I mean? The culture was totally different. So it's just growing into that. But it just took a little bit of time, but it was fine. Cool. So you were there uh, from 97 to 2001, four years. What about here? Were there any key mentors? You already talked about the Kennedy Group, the, the how they as management and ownership uh, held themselves and how much admiration you had. But what about uh, colleagues or uh, bosses during this time? Any well, key- Daniel Black, he was from New York City. He was the executive chef there. He left. And I, I was all nervous because they had this new chef from New York City coming in. His name was Scott Cohen. Uh, he said that when he came in, he was going to re-interview the entire kitchen staff to see which people were going to stay, which persons weren't. I seen the whole AM staff go inside, and three of them came out, grabbed their knife kits, and they left. And we're up next. Well, I went in there, and I met him, and he's like, oh, I know your chef, too. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take you under my wing. He literally is the my The same chef mentor. from New York? Scott Cohen, yeah. Man, it's what they say. It's so, all about who you know. <laughs> like I said, it's all about being kind and courteous to everybody. Yeah. Because it's a small world. I promise. Life's a circle. You see each other again. Um, but Scotty, I mean, he taught farm the table. You know what I mean? He believed in it up in New York, and he believed in it near Texas. He fell in love with Texas, saying that it's the south of France. You have everything here. You have the seafood bounty of the Gulf Coast to the hill country to vegetables, always look for local in your area, no matter what place you are in the country, because every place in the country has their own farm to table movements. Mm. And that was it. And it's something that he instilled in me and I still have today. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, we'll get there eventually because you do have a very close uh, relationship with the farmer. We'll get there eventually. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Uh, The other thing he heard, he, and I guess this is the best thing, is his work ethic. 18 hours is a half day. <laughs> that was the one thing that I think has killed me indefinitely because of that. Because that's pretty much how I drive myself. You know what I mean? Like how, like you asked in, in the beginning of the show, you're unstoppable. We're unfortunately bred that way. That's mm-hmm. the culture in that that I still am today. Yeah, I think, that, you know, it's weird. And I'm happy that you're going here because there. The one thing I do love about this industry is that you don't have to be the sharpest, smartest person in the room to be the most successful person in the room. You can be the kindest person in the room, and you can be the uh, most maybe emotionally intelligent person in the room. But if you also have that, that one of those two variables and the best work ethic in the room, like you can, like the sky is the limit. But that being said, it's also can be a recipe for disaster because that is true. It, but it, I mean, it's it's great because it's, it's a it's a it levels the playing field, right? And uh, it, 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 it's not necessarily uh, – how do I say this? You can become successful no matter how, who you are, depending on how good you are and how hard you're willing to work, which is, I think, a good thing. But we, we paint ourselves into corners. We get ourselves into trouble. So what do you think the solution is to uh, avoid, uh, I don't know, burning out? No, it's life balance. You got to find a way to try to take time out. You know what I mean? If that's after you're done working, decompressing for an hour, you know what I mean? Just relaxing to clear your thoughts. You know what I mean? Or taking time off when you can. You know yeah. what I mean? So uh, eventually at the Omni, you did burn out. Oh, I definitely burned out. I was yeah. a, I was their task force chef where I got to travel all around the country. We're pretty much challenges in other hotels or it would be like a new hotel that they were about to purchase and before they put their flag in, they'd send task force chefs, front of the house managers, stuff like that to these hotels. But they'd usually be three months straight, no days off, 12 to 16 to 18 hours a day. And you get burnt, you know. So um, I know that – did you burn out even more at the fig tree? Because you were there for four years. Didn't no, you? fig tree I didn't burn out. Fig tree I was – I. I basically was there for four years. It was a great opportunity. I was like one of the youngest chefs in San Antonio at the time. I think I was like 23 or something like that. You know, it was $3.5 million food and beverage operation. Wow. No food cost. The, uh, <laughs> it, w- it was awesome because they owned Little Ryan Steakhouse right next door. So their steakhouse was their moneymaker. So Victory, it was like, oh, if you want white truffles at a season, get white truffles. You can do whatever you want. Beluga caviar was on our menu. You know what I mean? With a shot of Christophe, you know? It, it was... It was like, here's the keys to a restaurant. Have fun. Go at it. Oh and we did. And we had fun. And so what what ended up happening where you uh, left the Omni? What was the opportunity? How, how did you even get that opportunity? Oh, uh, well, one of my old, the chef de cuisine at La Mancian that I was working under too, his name was Tan Legion. 
he left and he basically hooked me up with these people um, over there at Fig Tree. He was executive chef at Fig Tree. He was leaving and he said, do you want the job? So he put me in front of the owners and the general manager and basically cooked for him. Next thing you know, I'm hired. At the age of what this, you're probably maybe even 23 or 24 before that you actually got the job, or maybe you oh, had I was, just turned. 24. I want to say that I was like 22 years old and just turned 23 when I got my first article. That was probably one of the best articles I ever had in my entire life. Oh my god, that's amazing! So, what was it about you and the way you, you presented yourself, the way you conducted yourself, that you think gave you such a, uh, I guess, notoriety and attention at such an early age? You know, it's like I, I believe in you set the standards you put. Hold accountability, you know, follow through. There's certain fundamentals that you need regardless. Work clean. Um, be empathetic. One team, one goal is, is I can tell you this. When I left Las Canarias and La Mancian to go to Fig Tree, there were six staff members that followed and went with me. I had probably one of the youngest crews out there. You know what wow. I mean? But it, it was amazing. It was so much fun. But it's pretty much work ethic, you know, and it's also it's all about the food. You know what I mean? Take care of the guests. Uh, exceeding the guest's expectation is my standard. So I think there's something else going on here because you said you had six people leave the the Omni to go to the fig tree with you. Yes, sir. Six people. Uh, you didn't mention anything about your ability to to lead, uh, your ability to develop this rapport with people that they would be willing to leave to follow you to wherever you go. Uh, what is it about you that you think enabled you to not only get this opportunity but to bring your team with you well there's one fundamental that i always believe in is treat the people the way they want to be treated mm-hmm. you know i don't want to be yelled and screamed at so why would i yell and scream at somebody else you know what i mean um take care of them make it you can only pay people so much money but you can do little things for them like for me for example i was all proud this year that i could give every single associate that i have right now at the place that i own a Christmas bonus. They all got $100. That's awesome. You know what I mean? But that's like I said, that's the culture that you want to have. You know, Once a month we try to do something extra. It's like, here's free hockey tickets. You know, Here's free Spurs tickets. It might not be the best seats, but you give them a little something. Mm. You know what I mean? That's what makes somebody not want to leave their job. Yeah. People don't listen to what you, they, what you say. They, they listen to what you do. You know, it's right? like how they say it. It's like you talk to talk, but you got to walk the walk. Yeah. I love it. So... Take us so you're, you know you're at the fig tree. Uh, this is the first time you're the were you the, the executive chef at the Omni before leaving? No, I was uh, what is it sous chef tournon, which is basically the chef de cuisine position, but they didn't have a chef de cuisine uh, position, so I just call it tournon. So I ran PM, overseeing AM, expedited stuff like that. So what was that then, transition like to go from uh, you know high ranked to the leader? At a restaurant. Was that a tough transition? Um, it wasn't like I didn't have to come in for an AM shift. I didn't have to worry about the breakfast yeah. cook calling in or an overnight cook calling in. You know what I mean? So a hotel from a freestanding restaurant, it was like my training in New York helped prepare me for that. You know what I mean? But for the most part, it's they already had a good foundation there. They had a great following. That restaurant is, was known for halt cuisine, fine dining. It just needed to be polished and uplifted. You okay. know what I mean? So. Any key lessons from this time, this four years that you spend as the executive chef at the Fig Tree? Any transformative moments for you during this time? No, it was just go out the right way. You know what I mean? Like in between and everything else, like you always give your two weeks notice. I believe that you should try to give a month's notice whenever you can possible. You know what I mean? And don't burn any bridges. Even if you don't like a place, you know what I mean? Go out the right way. There's no point in trying to talk bad about anyone else. It's... Basically, karma is a circle. It'll come back to them. You know what I mean? So you left uh, in, let's see, 2000. So Fig Tree 2001 till 2014. And what, what was 2008, 2000? No, it's, uh, fail is your first opportunity in learning. Fail is your first so, opportunity. So where'd you fail? No. So that same mentor, Tan Nguyen, was coming up and told me that they were putting an investment partnership to get a building and start a restaurant. So in San Antonio, he was investing 180000 He asked me to invest some money, which I did. So I learned how to lose money. Um, <laughs> no, it was basically one of those things that you don't ask. Uh, the restaurant group was comprised of two individuals that had two successful restaurants in San Antonio. I don't like to talk about it. One was for 22 years in business. One was 18 years in business. The one question I never asked was, 
because I was young. I was 27. I should have asked, well, did you open up any restaurants that failed? Because when I dug towards the end, there were about eight of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they had two uh, restaurants that were like out of the park and then yes, sir. a bunch that didn't work If out. you can Google and find it, the place that I, I left Fig Tree for was Ocean Star Seafood and Grill. And it took me a lot of time, and a lot of money to get everything online taken down about that place because I never want my name attached to it. But it's not a bad thing. It's like I was so angry when I left. I lost money. You know what I mean? I bought a brand new bike, 2005 Yamaha R1 that got stolen in the back. I had no insurance on it, so I lost 15K there. I mean, it, it was just a challenge. And also, with all that being said, I was married at the time, and it kind of like bridged the relationship with my wife at the time. We ended up getting divorced. You know? mm. I made a bad decision overall. But I learned from all that because I'll never let that one happen again. You know what I mean? So I don't want to you know, dig too deep into the, the dark times of your past, but I mean, this is where we, this is where we learn. This is how you, you learn so much. Oh, yeah, I definitely learned so, so really, much. let's go there. Uh, let's, let's uncover some of the biggest lessons. Let's get specific. How... I mean, what were the biggest, big, biggest lessons you learned? Doing obviously, do your homework. Make sure you know what you're getting involved in. Definitely in, came out. What about what were the reasons why you think this restaurant? Well, I, I learned like this is like you get a percentage. It's like ten percent. You know what I mean? I was like, holy cow! All I got to do is throw in this amount of money. I'm going to get ten percent of it. Ten. The one thing you don't know is ten percent of nothing is still I was nothing. Ten percent of the nothing. profit. Yeah. Key profit. words is, is you got to make profit. So <laughs> it's also like. I got a good concept of, I knew the front and, and, and the back of the house numbers. You know what I mean? I knew what our profit and rev par and ROI and everything else was. But it was also how many people they put in for investment. They basically had a restaurant group concept and they liquidated it. You know what I mean? A lot of put it, people put in money. So off the top, that had to go first, which we were kind of unaware of. You know what I mean? I was just, it was young. I wish I would have got a lawyer at the time. I wish I would have, you know, the people that, you know how this is. You go down and see a lawyer. You pay them a little bit of money for, you know, consulting. They look at the contract, say, oh, this is good, 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 good. And yeah, it's fine, you know, pretty much. But you also have a mentor that's telling you this is a great opportunity. Then you meet with these people. You know, it's just like anything else. I think you got to learn from all your mistakes. You know, looking back at it and everything else, it was a great opportunity. I'm glad I did it. I learned a lot of things how not to do things or get involved with individuals, making sure that you dot all cries, uh, dot all I's, cross all T's, and then also do your homework a lot better. There was an internet back then. Yeah. Now I can Google anything about anybody, <laughs> no, or you can you, pay somebody to look into their background check for you. You know what I mean? You can find that in like an hour. You know, back then you didn't have that opportunity. So, so you got the ten percent of what might have been anywhere from twelve percent to eight percent gross margin. I'm, I'm guessing that's what yeah. You're in that area. I uh, think what I pulled from that too is that before you could really take a profit, you had to make sure you were paying your investors back. So that 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 profit the restaurant was making a big chunk of the initial profit was going to. The investors, were you still getting your 10% even though the, the investors were getting paid out? Or there was no 10% to know because it was also like some of these people had themselves on payroll. The front of the house guy was like $180,000 a year. And he was also getting a percentage? I was like, you got to be kidding me. Wait, so, so other people that invested. Well, like- remember, there's on, there's on the books and there's below the bottom line. I w- didn't get to see below the bottom line. That was, that was pretty much it. It wasn't an open book thing. And six months into it, I kind of figured, you know what I mean? It was like, it wasn't going to go any farther. So it wasn't an open book thing? No. So you didn't get access to the books no. as, as an investor? Not the bottom line. No. We had meetings where it's like people paint a great picture and everything else, but below the bottom I line. I mean, I would go as far as saying, don't don't get involved in a restaurant that, that doesn't have open book management. Uh, because it's becoming, it's becoming standard practice, open book management, uh, where basically... Y- the the owner of that business shows the team exactly what they're making every day. Everybody from the dishwasher to the GM to the director of operations to the owner knows exactly where the money is going. A lot of people don't like that. But if you're an honest owner and you're doing the right thing and you're taking care of people, why wouldn't you show people? No, no. I mean, I have a chalkboard at work that gives my daily sales for my companies. You know what I mean? Uh, information is like I'm an open book. Yeah. Really why is that so important? Oh, because it's like anything else. You got to learn from your mistakes to know that. But it's also sharing with your team, you know, accomplish goals. Tell them what your goals are. You know what I mean? And 
if you hit your goals, give them something for it. You know what I mean? They're a part of helping you succeed. Yeah. And there's something that happens in the, the subconscious too. When you become vulnerable, when you expose yourself and you turn your belly over and you show everybody like, here, I'm, I'm exposed, I'm, I'm vulnerable, I'm showing you everything, then there's a lot of trust that's formed when that happens. People, when you, when you have nothing to hide and you, and you put it all out there, like people are going to trust what you're doing. They're going to oh, see People try to take advantage of you and everything else, but it's like, you know, and it's also, trust me, being open and honest and helping people doesn't always have its perks. Sometimes those people turn on you mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Or just challenges, you know, I hear you. there's a lot of stuff, but that's anything you got to know. Like for me, I believe in a higher power. You know what I mean? That somebody's above me. So my biggest thing is you do good into the world. You get good out. Yeah. So any other thing that's worth diving into uh, with this restaurant? Any other? You said you learned a lot, a lot of key lessons. Any other key lessons that are worth tapping on before moving on? No, it's just I feel bad because the staff that I took with me, it was the same thing, too. Oh, that's right. Because, oh, so my last day and everything else, I took my whole staff out to lunch because we always had a break. It was kind of like set up. So you had an a.m. shift and a p.m. shift. So I took everybody else out to lunch and I let them know that. This restaurant's got probably a year left that gives you at least six months to start looking for a job. I'm putting in my resignation. You know what I mean? That's pretty much it. And they all, you know, were sad or, you know, scared or we can work this out or don't quit. Just ask for a pay cut or whatever. It was like, guys, I'm just letting you know there's there's no farther we can go. I'm just being open and honest with you. So I took them to lunch. I paid for the lunch, went back, turned in my resignation. And that was pretty much it. Mm. Thank you for being so open and honest and uh, Dude, real with us. This has been a great conversation. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website we're back so now take us so you you end up leaving this restaurant that you invested in uh your $60,000 you left uh what happened next I took some time off I took some months off you know what I mean I wanted to like it's like anything else like when you're that young and, you know, you're not totally 100% mature, you haven't... I've never had to face this challenge before, so I, I thought, like how you said, unstoppable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you find out, no, things can happen or, you know, be challenges at the time. But when you look back at it, everything happens for a reason, you know what I mean? That's why I'm here today. Without that challenge, it wouldn't have made me who I am today either. So you got to take every positive and every negative and... Be honest and truthful of yourself. You know what I mean? But at least learn from the mistake. And I did. So what, so if, if there was any positive, what were the positives? We focus on a lot of, little bit of the negatives. What were the positives? I got to go back and work for my old mentor, Scott Cohen. Yeah, <laughs> you know and this is at the Omni. Yeah. So before it was Omni Kennedy Group, of course, they were opening up the Watermark Hotel and Spa, which they did. They brought in a chef from New York, too. His name was Jonathan Parker. Jonathan was an Englishman. He was a very nice guy. You know, he talked. I, I could never do his accent. <laughs> so anyways, he, he wanted me to be his exec too. So even when I was executive chef at Fixture, he's like, oh, I pay you more money. Come in. You know what I mean? And I, I went in and I liked his food, but I didn't like the culture. You know what I mean? I was like. What was wrong with the culture? Oh, like I said, I don't like to be yelled and screamed at. I'm not going to yell at and scream so at somebody else. A, brig- a brigade system. It was a Big time brigade system. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So for me, I took some time off and everything else. And Scott Cohen called me. He's like, hey, Jonathan Parker, you know, 
he's not going to have his job after the end of the year. So I'm going to be taking over and be the executive chef over both properties. Would you like to come back and work for me and have fun at the watermark? Uh, that's the key words. You got to hear have, have fun. fun. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. So that was it. You know, I came back and I started working for Scotty in November. Uh, I came in at his banquet, sous chef at La Mancian, but pretty much whenever, just go over to that side of the kitchen to help out over at the watermark. It was literally across the river in San Antonio. So it's like I could take two seconds, boom, pop over and help out if they need anything for caterings and everything else. And at the end of the day, he got cut and then he plugged me in to help out over there. And that was it. Okay. And reestablish a good culture. Awesome. So any key lessons at this point of your life uh, over this, this couple of years that you spent uh, at the Omni before uh, breaking off to do your own thing that's worth hovering over and really dissecting? The one mark, the biggest thing is, is that, you know, it, you got to lick your wounds. So I was actually happy to go back and work with Cohen and do the watermark. It was an awesome project, but it gave me time to just play with food, be under the right culture, and, and they have a lot of positive influence because when you lose something like that, you know what I mean? It helps when somebody's telling you, hey, you do a great job. Things are going to get better and everything else. So I was surrounded around friends and mentors. Built you back up. It built me back up. Yeah, you know what so I mean? important. Because you need that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You yeah. need that network. So I, that was the biggest thing for me. And so I had so much fun. During the pre-interview chat, you also uh, kind of alluded that you burnt out when you went back to the oh, So Omni Hotels so bought you were them. having fun. I was. So I, w- I was having a lot of fun, but Omni Hotels bought the property, okay? In walks in Fernando Salazar. Fernando Salazar was the corporate food and beverage director of Omni Hotels. He also was the gentleman that sponsored me for a Shenda Rotisier Best Young Komi competition. So when he walked in, he was like, Stevie, you have nothing to worry about. We got big plans for you. Just stick around. You know what I mean? And I was like, great. And then he was like, we're going to help you out, and you'll be a corporate task force chef, and we'll explain that at a later date. So going into it, it was like I was young and everything else. It was, they were you'd go help out other hotels is basically how they said you'd go in and if there was a challenge, you'd help fix that. If Omni was about to buy a property, we put they f- put their flag in. They'd bring in task force people for you know Omni to help out and get it up to the standards before they put that flag. So I was like, cool. I was like, what does it do? It goes well, pays you a lot more. It was like kind of like. Double your salary. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You get to travel. They put you up in a, a room at that hotel for free. You know what I mean? They give you a per diem so I could drink all the Red Bulls I wanted. And they'll pay for it. <laughs> no. But they pay all your, your three square meals a day. You know what I mean? But and it's a one-way ticket. You know, it, it, some places take longer than others. So, I mean, I stayed. I got to work at the Omni in the Charlotte, North Carolina, Washington, D.C., AIP, Florida. Uh, Bedford, Pennsylvania. I got to travel a lot. You know what I mean? But, like I said, when we take it until the challenge was done. So sometimes it was, you know, three months straight, 12, 16, 18 hours a day, no days off. You know what I mean? So I got burnt, man. I mean, that's the best way of putting it. I, I think body weight told it all. I'm averaging about 165 pounds, 168 pounds. I was like 120. Jesus. You know, I literally could pick up like a glass and my hand would be shaking. I I was just burned. I was tired. I was frustrated. I never got to see the girl that I was with down here in San Antonio. And like every time I have to tell her like, hey, I'm going away. She's like, you just got back for two weeks and now you're going probably for another three months. It it didn't help. I had a house at the time. There was no point in having a house when you're never in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. That was it. I mean, it burned me out to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'll take any job. So I got a headhunter and everything else, and that's how I got into B&I. I got a Uris Compass Group. It was like literally a, a pay cut, like half my salary, but I didn't care. You know what I mean? All I heard was weekends, holidays off, get to be here in San Antonio with the woman I love. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I was just burned. So you took the role as a corporate chef at a, a corporation, um, the – what was the company? It was uh, Security Service Federal Credit Union is the first one. Okay. So it was a small cafe, and you take care of all their caterings in-house. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was fun. That's it a was, big change. Oh, no. <laughs> it was cool. They had a board of directors, so once a, mo- a month, we had to cook for them. They wanted they, they loved food. So it was like three courses, you know what I mean? Fine dining with waiters. It was, it was you know what I mean? A little bit of everything. Plus, we had a cafe to take care of people. It didn't care. We could do anything we wanted. So I, I believed in scratch cooking. So like even there, we did everything from making our own cheeses in-house 
to like making our own spices, grinding everything, shells, dehydrating too. We, we made our own beer there. We made our own wine oh, there. Awesome. We could make our own vinegar. We had so much fun. Like it was amazing. I think the big lesson here is don't chase the dollar bills. No, it's not about the dollar. It's like how I said, like the one thing that, that Scotty got me with was like, hey, come back. We're going to have fun. You know what I mean? It was true. You know what I mean? I, I'm not doing this for a dollar. I mean, eventually, hopefully that'll happen. But if it don't, I just want to have fun doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Because there's no point. If you're living the dream or you're striving to get the dream, you know what I mean? It shouldn't be about the dollar. Well, it should you, be think, about... The, you, you, sorry, I cut you short. Go for it. No problem. About the journey. You know yes, I mean? yes. I love it, man. And th- that was what I was basically going to say. Like you, you, you talked about this great opportunity you, you have, this job that you have, that you, where you get to travel, and you're, you're paying twice as much as you are ever making before. And uh, But you had a home. You had, you had the girlfriend. You had all the things. You were checking all the married. boxes. I was getting married. my fiance. You, did, you were checking all the boxes, right? But yeah. you didn't get to enjoy any of it because of the work you were doing. Because no. of how, and and you, you got to really take these things into consideration. Don't focus. We're, we're hardwired. We're, or not hardwired. We're, we're meant to believe. I think we're hardwired to, to do the things we enjoy. But we're led to believe that we need to check all the boxes. Right? Um, and it's not – I mean, yes, you need money. Right? Money does help you survive. But yes. you also need to enjoy the, the ride. Like no, the definitely. Journey. But Awesome. I love it. Anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, like, for the most part, like, security service is, like, a stepping stone. And then I went to New Star Energy after that or whatever. And I was their, uh, their chef, too. And, I mean, it was going from a bank with a board of directors to an oil company with a board of directors. The only difference between the two is a lot more caterings. These guys, like, partied like rock stars. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way. But it was like anything else. That, that's where I started doing what I'm doing today. Uh, I'm manufacturing black garlic. I just want to make black garlic for a wing sauce for the cafe because I'm, you know, outskirts of Buffalo, New York. I love wings. I love garlicky wings. <laughs> and that was it. You know what I mean? So, and then you made the black garlic yes, and everybody was like, damn. So that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. So we will, we'll get there because that comes, I think a little bit later. First you, uh, at the, you would decide, I mean, this is where you decide to go out and do your own thing, right? This is yeah. where I'm so, going to work I, for myself. It's like anything else. I started Top Chef uh, LLC. It's like a consulting company because it's like anything else. You take a pay cut, you got to do side hustles or side jobs or anything else. So I found a niche that, you know, there was definitely consulting jobs out there that you could help other restaurants. If you got weekends off, unfortunately, yes, I'd still work weekends. <laughs> but it helps supplement income. You yeah. know what I mean? So I worked for a few companies out of New York where I demo like product for example like you demo kellogg's or Kraft or somebody like that to like um, a grocery store chain so some of them would be like hebs or whole foods stuff like that but you get paid good money i mean there was one company they paid me six hundred dollars an hour Jeez. just to you know six hours just to do set up the day before the day of the day after that's it so and then, and then like restaurants helping out with food and beverage menu books and everything else so I did like a place here called Hot Tin Roof or whatever in San Antonio. They wanted to sell the property to somebody else. So we brought it up to the par. They found somebody. They sold it. And that was pretty much it. You know what I mean? I got paid good money there too. So I want to spend the rest of this conversation kind of identifying that, you know, they're I feel like a lot of people when they get into this industry, they think there's one vertical, one way to go. You get yeah, into the industry, multiple. yeah. You get into the industry, you uh, you build up experience, you, you you figure out how to run a restaurant, and then you go open your own restaurant. I mean that's one way to do it, yeah. But there are also a ton of other ways. You become a specialist when you get into the restaurant industry. You, you develop certain skills and you become good at certain things. You create certain things that nobody else can create as good as you. I mean, that's an opportunity to take whatever it is that you do best and go cr- create a whole other vertical with it. Uh, at what point did you realize that you had a whole other vertical with the black garlic? Maybe no. we should kind of set up what black garlic is a little bit more you touched on it like a, a couple minutes ago like you did it once for a wing sauce or for wings but like what is black garlic black garlic is uh for, for it's a fermented garlic okay and fermentation and quotation marks so truthfully it's a millard reaction so it's transforms enzymes um releases natural sugars transforms allicin a chemical component in garlic to sac so it goes from being a prebiotic to a probiotic in whole clove form Boosts antioxidants by 200%, anti-inflammatories by 400%, doesn't give you garlic breath, makes it taste sweeter. But black garlic's been around since the ancient Egyptians. Mm. You know what I mean? They'd put it in clay pots. 
they found recipes all the way back in there. But it's a staple in like Korea, China, Japan. They over there in in, in Asia. I mean, you can find it on street corners. Here in in the United States, it's a little bit harder. You only had one place that's been only operating since 1995, but they're not really everywhere. And then you could only get it from overseas, so it was expensive. I know in some fine dining restaurants, I mean, I'd order it in when I was a chef at Fig Tree. It would be like $48 a pound. You know what I mean? So I was like, man, it's expensive. (laughs) You know, that's why I wanted to try to find a way to make it myself. So when I was at New Star, I mean, I, I like black garlic. I just... We try to make everything from scratch as possible. Can I stop you right yes, there? Because I think that there's something that you just touched on that's really important. You identified a pain point for yourself. You said, damn, this shit's expensive. I don't like paying this much. It's really hurting my bottom line. Uh, I can do this in-house. Um, how do I do it? Uh, so if you identify a pain point, if you say, like, if you, it, you, odds are you're not the only person that's experiencing that pain, right? Yes. And that's that's opportunity when when you feel the pain and you can't find a solution. So you create your own solution. That could be a vertical. That's, that's a trigger. That's when that happens in your life and you end up enjoying that thing that you do, then explore it. Right. Just wanted to put emphasis on that. So it's like for the most part, even the company that's us, when garlic's out of season out of California, they got to import and buy from China. I don't know if you know anything about Chinese garlic, but it's notched and bleached for a reason. You know what I mean? They have botulism in their soil over there. It's also irradiated at the border. So you have something coming in here before it goes through custom. It's irradiated. So I wanted to look at... What is like, irradiated? I'm not irradiated is basically they just make sure that thing's dead. You know okay. what I mean? So it won't grow again is the best way of putting it in U.S. soil. So if you buy Chinese garlic and you try to grow it in the ground, you like take that bulb into cloves, it won't grow. Is the best way to put so it. So, what is what are the, the benefits of having non radiated uh, black garlic? Will it, uh, are there certain things that are happening that you want it to be kind of? Is it? Oh, so it's there- like anything else. It's like I want it. I we we've done events with like different farmers and everything else, and farmers always say like, "Chef, what can I grow for you?" So if, I would just ask them to grow garlic. You know what I mean? So that's how it all started. Okay. I wasn't even thinking about making black garlic on my own. <laughs> Remember, I'm still making it for a wing sauce station. Yeah. So the the thing that was the turning point, because I, I didn't be like, oh, I'm going to start this. This is great. I can get a supply chain going. I can, you know what I mean, make it faster, you know, through my method or anything else. No, I was getting five minutes of time to talk to the owner of New Star Energy, Mr. Bill Greehy. Um, he came in and I just, he was like, how are you doing today and everything else? And I was like, sir, can I just ask you one question? What made you successful? Or can you give any words of advice to anyone? Remember, I'm you know, had new star as a chef. He's like, find a product to sell back to the company you work for. So my whole mindset has always been in restaurants, hotels and everything else. So it's like, chef, you got to own a restaurant or something like that. I was like, okay, what do you mean? He was like, well, I used to be the CEO at Valero Energy. I need a company for pipeline and storage and everything else for oil. So instead of going out and researching and finding one, I made one. I made new star LLP that became new star that it is today. So he found a niche and sold it back to the company he works for. So two lessons from that. The first lesson, if you're around successful people and they like you and they're willing to talk to you, talk to them, learn from them, pull back layers, figure it out. They'll give you good advice. The second thing, uh, and say it again, uh, sell product. What was it? Sell products. Sell a product back to the company you work for. Sell a product Find back that to niche. the company. So why is it so important? Like, well, I wonder what's the added benefit. Why does it have to be a company that you work for? You no, it doesn't have to be. It's just like how I said, you can have mentors in different uh, organizations or different career blocks. You know what I mean? You can learn from a lot of people what to do and what not to do. But there specifically, I would have never thought about selling the black garlic until he goes kind of like you with the black garlic and pointed at the station and left. (laughs) I was like, okay, thanks for the hint, hint. No, (laughs) seriously, it was like, you know what? That's awesome. You know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, hence why my brand is black gold, Mm. because anything that has to do with oil is black gold. So that's why it's Texas black gold garlic. I I dig it, man. Uh, So, what do we need to know about starting our own business to sell back to the company? Is there any advice that you have on doing that right to protect yourself, to uh, save headaches in the future? What did you learn about? No, it's like anything else. Start a company right. Start small, work your way up. You know what I mean? Um, get a lawyer. Incorporate. 
You know what I mean? Get insurance, all that other stuff. Find a spot. So what kind of a corporation should a uh, food business like yours be? Like, I think you're an LLC. Is that what I saw? No. With uh, Texas Black Oak Garlic, it's an S-Corp. S-Corp. Why S-Corp? Uh, because that was the best way of setting it up. <laughs> what, what made it the best way? Um, well, like Top Chef is an LLC. You know what I mean? Um, Farmer from the Farm is a LLC. We haven't gotten to Farmer yeah, I, from I know, the Farm. I know. It's like, <laughs> but there's different formulations and everything else. So if I wanted to take investment... For Black O' Garlic to start, if I wanted to scale up to the next level, an S-Corp would have been the best thing to do. Okay, so you had intentions to scale this. So the what makes an S-Corp the, the best way for scaling? This is basically your tax once, you know what I mean, instead of twice is the best way of putting it. I mean, maybe these are really obvious questions, but I don't. they're not obvious for me. No, 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 I'll I understand. Uh, I mean, and I'm hopefully some people that are listening to this are like, oh, I would have never even thought I would have created an LLC. Like, I didn't think of doing an S-Corp. But. No, I got a great lawyer. I mean, and I got a lot of mentors. So it's like researching and asking them what would be the best way to formulate something. It's also here um, with Launch SA, I went through their incubator. You know what I mean? So you get to ask a lot of questions and see a lot of other mentors. That's another great ex- uh thing right there if you're going to start a business uh in, in a city nine times out of ten and maybe san antonio is a better example of this because they do really Definitely. have a great program here go to your city they have organizations the government puts things together to serve its people but the issue is i feel like people don't use it people don't even think or even know that it's an option to go to the city to get the to, to get the guidance to get the mentors um so how'd you even discover launch sa no launch sa was basically I, I I seen it like on Facebook, social media, you know what I mean? I was like, man, I want to learn more about this incubator. So I went to one of the events. They were doing their kickoff for their breakfast and launch cohort. I got to meet Ryan Saltz, the head of the program. at Coming on the show next. Yes, sir. And uh, I was like, I would really like to learn what it's about and everything else. He's like, well, we already started this program. These are the people and everything else. You can come down and if you want, sit through a few classes. And if you need help, just to learn. And I was like, cool. So... He gave me the class schedule, and I basically came to every single one until they made me a member. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it? What were the biggest lessons that you think that they taught you for starting this business, this uh, this escort? You know, it was like I, I got my insurance agent through there. You know what I mean? I got a lot of different formulation from lawyers, free advice, and everything else. Um, a lot of different businesses for like patent attorney, you know what I mean? Like, and like that, but classes, how to do social media, you know what I mean? Branding, how, network, like branding, packaging. you know, packaging, but it was, it was, you know, a mentor, mentor T relationship, but also the people that were in your co- cohort going through the same classes as you, by the time the end, it was mentee to mentee, you know what I mean? One team, one goal, because uh, after I left and we had a facility, two of those people I graduated with are in the same facility as me. Oh, that's today. great, man. So that's exciting. I know? love it. So uh, I kind of want to unpack this uh, story of scaling black gold because you had a great success with it. Are there any key lessons, any other like nuggets you can drop on us in scaling a food product, a business, uh, getting that into the market, anything that you learned the hard way that you can drop on us? Oh, so it's like, remember how the mentorship came back. It was like, find a product, sell back to the companies you work for. It wasn't actually the chefs that I went after first. It was more of the food purveyors that I used to order from. Okay. So it was like the produce company that, you know, I bought from. There were three of them that I bought from. So all I did was pitch the idea back to them and they started buying it. That's another huge point. I mean, if you're in the food and beverage industry, if you're working at restaurants and you are the purchaser for these hotels and these these fine dining restaurants, that's another huge advantage that you have over some Joe Schmo who's like, oh, like look what I I want to you know get into the business of uh, creating a food product and getting into market. I I know no one as a a a chef, a well known chef, respected chef with that network. uh, You have a step ahead. You have an advantage because you you have those relationships. Already developed. It's all about relationships. I promise you. That's why I said be kind and courteous on the way up, kind and courteous on the way down. Because <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to see those guys on the way back up again. And that's pretty much how, I mean, philosophy is mindset, but at the end of the day, that's exactly what I did. I started going out to the companies I ordered from, asking them if they'd be interested. And one thing led to another and another and another. And that's how we started expanding. Production is start small and work your way up. I think we started with 180 pounds of production a month. Why is it so important to start small? Something I always say. Because don't overcommit. The thing is, is like anything else. It's like a restaurant. You know what I mean? Don't sit the entire house at once when you know your team's not going to be able to get out the food. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with taking on new accounts. 
unless you can produce enough and be confident enough to take care of them, don't do it. You know what I mean? Because if you overcommit and then you can't follow through. Or you miscalculate what it's actually going to take. Yeah. Uh, if you start small, your overhead's low, you're nimble, you can adapt, oh, you can pivot, you can make corrections, uh, and you can find out if you actually have something. Well, that's the thing. Is like I believe your first five years, and we're not even at five years yet, that lets you know if your company's going to make it or not. You know what I mean? Um, but your first three years, you'll engage to figure out if you do have something. So uh, what is pharma to farm? Pharma from this? the farm is like this. We had supplement companies that kept asking us if we could sell them black garlic because I guess they make pills with it. And we already knew the health benefits of black garlic. And we already knew that there was a niche. So uh, we started we selling to one in Canada and a few in the United States. And we we're like, oh, my gosh, these guys are making pills with it. Why don't we develop and make our own pill? But unfortunately, we found out that it would be too much money for us to do it ourselves. It was crazy, but you can get a co-packer to do it. So that's exactly what we did. We What's started. a co-packer? Co-packer is someone that manufactures for you and private labels your products. So tolling is where you send them your uh, natural product, which is our black garlic, and then they turn it into pill form. Who's your co-packer? Is that something you're allowed to say? or is that- uh, We got a confidentiality. Okay, agreement. I got you. I but got they're you. out of the U.S. They can say that one. Okay. So um, I think this is something that's a, a, a new vertical uh, because food – I mean, if you if you just pay attention to what's food happening in the world, yeah, food is health, and we're we're realizing we got so far away from what food is, uh, with you know mass production, with cutting corners to you know food from like 1970 to 1990s was or early 2000s with you know fast food and what was happening with food isn't really food. It's it's processed corn syrup and you know uh it's basically we were like an 80% of our diet processed was corn. Death. Yeah, exactly. So um we're realizing crap if we want to be healthy it's, it really just starts from eating stuff that comes from the closest thing to nature as possible, right? Or to to do what you're doing with the fermentation and garlic. Like there's so much nutrients in the food if we're intentional about what we eat and food is now medicine. We're we're looking I think I, I'm not the only person that has said this, but one of the huge trends in the future like right now, food is health, but food is going to be medicine. Uh, and there's going to be whole restaurants that are, or businesses that are, are just creating food medicine products. Uh, I'm probably talking way too much right no, now. No, no, no. But you're telling but, the truth. Hence, pharma from the farm. <laughs> exactly. Because I totally agree with that. It's basically how your food is grown. You know what I mean? My biggest thing is garlic doesn't need to be sprayed with pesticides it releases allicin if you ever go to a garlic farm you can smell it in the air it's also what you sweat out your skin and what gives you garlic breath but it's a natural pest deterrent so you don't have to spray any chemicals on it mm. it's the same thing with organic produce what if you don't have to spray anything why are you gonna get certified organic you know what i mean that's the thing take sustainable produce or uh permaculture in, in general you don't spray any chemicals on that product you know what i mean Organic vegetables still can have organic pesticides in it. I don't want to add anything to the garlic that we produce from the farms to us. You know, and when it comes to garlic, you have raw garlic, for example. To get all the health benefits, you got to eat it. When you cook with garlic, you start losing the health benefits. But once Allison becomes SAC and becomes shelf stable, if you cook with black garlic, you don't lose the benefits. Yeah, and I think the point that I was trying to make is that there's huge potential here. Oh, definitely. Uh, so if you are a food product that also happens to be something that has extreme health benefits, you know that's a great vertical to be in. So maybe even start – keep that in the back of your mind. If you're thinking about creating a food product, get into a vertical that will be food as medicine because I think that's the future of eating. Uh, any other advice as far as food as medicine products, uh, you are – you mentioned the one piece of advice to go to um, somebody who makes the product for you. Uh, what other nuggets have you picked up to get into the food as medicine vertical? No, it's just knowing where your food comes from is the biggest thing. We have a relationship with our farmers where we have a seed program where we procure garlic seed in advance, give it to the farmers, and then we have a contracted buyback rate. And they get to keep a third of the crop for themselves to sell it, you know, retail at their farmers markets, but. Try to know exactly where your food comes from, you know, exactly where your food comes from. Know your farmer on a one-on-one relationship. But on top of that, you know what your end result product is. Awesome. Uh, has there been anything that you were hoping or was there anything you were hoping we would discuss today that we did not get around to or any 
thing that comes to mind immediately immediately that you think would just add more value to today's conversation? No, one thing is like outreach. You know, our call to action is we get we have a chef ambassador program with the uh, Texas Black Oak Garlic, where we have chefs across the country who want to play with our product, chance to do it, get some free gear and stuff like that. And you know, I think that would be a great opportunity if they want to look at us on Facebook or Instagram or something like that. We have our information there. So either uh, Instagram, Facebook, you if you go to, I'll have those links in the show notes. By the way, head oh, over cool. to the show notes. I'll link to that so you can. Uh, and what you're saying is basically you can join the Chef Ambassador program where yeah. you'll give them black gold garlic swag and product to test out. Is that what yeah, I heard correctly? Definitely. And if that wasn't what Deploy you said, with. I'll edit this out because I don't no, want to bankrupt you. No, you're fine. perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just send us an email or messages and we'll give them the details. Sweet. We'll awesome. Um, one other thing I want to bring to the surface before we go to the speed round, and that is uh, the importance of being a mentor. And this is kind of where you're at now. Uh, you're, you came through the Launch SA program, and now you are helping people who are coming into the program. That's where you're at now, right? You're, you are the mentor. Uh, why is it so important to be a mentor? Because like any, one team, one goal means something. You know what I mean? There's no, I believe this. There's no competition. There's just different ways of doing things. And yes. trying try, trying to help other people is going to bring them up, but they're always going to remember you. It's like how I remember my mentors. I can share that story. They live on when they're gone. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with me. You know what I mean? It's not building a brand, building a product. It's leaving a legacy behind. I'm not. I'm not feeding chef these answers. By the way, <laughs> anybody who knows me will probably think that I did because that's what I'm saying all the time. That's the mission of this podcast: one team, one goal. We need to. We need to get away from the us versus them mentality. If we are going to come out of this industry stronger, we need to start thinking. We we need to start sharing knowledge. We need to start making it about the common good uh, because bad things are going to happen if we start. You know constantly competing against each other right and that's that's the mission of this podcast to, to, to get the knowledge out there to get the values out there so we can band together and do what's right for our industry and i'm just i just want to you know tip my hat to you i literally did. i just i just tipped it uh and thank you for having those values and enforcing those values just then no problem all right we're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors we'll be right back it's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you, you've got to compete with the big guys. But how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto. That's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash unstoppable. So Revel Systems is a complete POS built to help grow your expanding business. I stand by Revel, and I can tell you why it's so great, but I'd rather get my man Colton Schultz, who's with Grand Junction Subs in the Craft Cave, to tell you why he loves Revel. We have been working with Revel for several years, who has partnered with us to streamline our operations. We have implemented delivery management, employee management, sales reporting, kitchen display screens, and so much more. We also utilize mobile order takers and kitchen display systems that are extremely customizable. Nice. So if there's just one thing that you love the most about Revel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back, and we're going to do our best. These questions are tailored towards a restaurant tour, but I feel like Chef is going to drop some good nuggets, even though... Uh, He's in a different vertical. So the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? <laughs> Work ethic, uh, setting standards, holding people accountable, and definitely one team, one goal. What is your biggest weakness? Uh, 
empathy. What is your biggest weakness? No, I'm sympathetic to a lot of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> empathetic. No, but some people can take advantage of that. Sometimes. Okay, I was gonna say I, I almost moved on. I was like, but that's a, that should be a. Str- I think you believe know, it or not, it's a strength, but it's also a weakness. And that's, a lot of that's, times. that's a true statement. Often, more times than not, your biggest strength is your biggest weakness. Correct. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, I I tend to think that empathy is more of a strength if used right personally. Correct. But I can see how people can take advantage of you. Uh, what's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? During the interview process? Yeah, when you're building your team and trying to surround yourself with the right people. <sighs> I, think, I think the biggest thing is they actually show up to an interview. <laughs> you know, yeah. believe it or not, I can schedule 40 interviews nowadays at the same time and like three people will show up. What is your biggest challenge today? Oh, today? It's just... I don't think it's challenged. Life is a bunch of obstacles. It's like go around them, go above them, or go through them. So what's your current obstacle? Uh, finding a new property to expand. And how are you dealing with that? Uh, it's day two of me giving my notice. <laughs> <laughs> and day two, I think I already found that property. Nice. Okay, cool. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team, the people you surround yourself with. <sighs> Treat people the way they want to be treated. What is one uncommon standard of service you've taught your team in, in the past, or even your team to this day? No, team nineteen today. Um, I don't know. I think other bodies is the best way. Other bodies. Other bodies. Uh, you ever read Kitchen Confidential? Yes. Uh, food runners, the chefs Imperial Guard, which is usually paid out of the front of the house, but it's loyalty. Ideally, lies to the chef. Um, treat everybody like they're a chef or they're an extension of a chef. You know what mm. I mean? Your dishwasher. I'd call my dishwasher chef. Treat people nice. As equal. As equal. Love it. What is one book that's a must-read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Kitchen Confidential. <laughs> I can burst that. Like that no book tomorrow. is on audio, too. I think Anthony Bourdain reads it, and he does a really great job. Oh, man, I cry. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great book. Uh, what is one thing uh, or technology you've adopted within your four walls uh, that uh, – this might be a hard question for you because it's very restaurant-focused, uh, but maybe there's another – technology that you're adopting in the uh, food business, the food production business, the uh, food product business? Well, it's like anything else. It's like before we used to do P&Ls by hand. You know what I mean? Now I can integrate my inventory system with my P&L, with my labor that tells me and calculates everything. What are you using to do that? Uh, we built a system. You built it? <laughs> yes, sir. On a, what platform? Uh, we made our own. It's uh, Excel. That's pretty much okay, it. Plug so and play. It breaks down and everything else. Do your month to month, your day to day. It's beautiful. So Excel is a very powerful tool to learn oh, how definitely. to use it. And I am not. I, I am guilty of not being great with Excel, but I should learn how to use it better. Um, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? <sighs> Treat their people right so they don't want to leave. All right, and this is the last question. It's a doozy. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, your businesses would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you can leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Oh, definitely one team, one goal. Treat people the way they want to be treated. And hopefully somebody believes in me enough and talks about me as I talk like my mentor. Chef Stephen, or Stephen, this has been uh, a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge, your your inspiration, your your energy, man, your values. It's, it's been an honor. Uh, how can we connect with you? What's the best way to connect if we want to uh, maybe get some of that swag you're talking about and become an ambassador? Or maybe to, I don't know, um, ask you some questions about creating a product. Uh, TexasBlackGoatGarlic at gmail.com. You know, I definitely respond back to all emails. <laughs> You know what I mean? and Or just messages on Facebook. I answer back everything personally. And I almost forgot to ask you, who's one person you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor on the show that I can get? Oh, mentor. There's a lot of people in San Antonio. You know, I'm here mean? for a couple more weeks, man. Okay. Call them uh, out. <laughs> um, Mike Miller with Magic's Fermented Foods. He's really good. Um Oh shoot! There's too many freaking people. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to put too much out there because we'll talk after off the record. Because I don't want them all mad at me if I skip somebody. Okay, I hear you. <laughs> you said Mike Miller, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, we'll start with that one. And uh, again, just thank you so much, Seth. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable.
there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you all enjoyed it. Tons of great takeaways from today's conversation. I think one that really stands out to me is just the power of taking care of your people and caring for your people and having fun. One team, one goal. And when you take care of your people, they will follow you to the end of the, the world. Like they will go anywhere you go. They will be your team, not whoever you work for as team. And that is just so invaluable. The other big lesson from today's conversation is that, you know, there's really so many possibilities, so many verticals that can stem from a career in food and beverage in the restaurant industry. Uh, I think Chef Paparaki is a great example of that because of his uh, just creativity and his willingness to to try and just explore in new things. And you're seeing that with Texas Black Gold. Uh, be open-minded. Get creative. Find possibilities. Look for different verticals. They're out there. They're just waiting to be found. And like always, guys, please do reach out to me, Eric, at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. Keep those five-star reviews coming. They help so much. Sign up for my email list. That's how you will never miss an episode. And whenever we're working on new things and uh, trying to just keep you in the loop, you can you can have a role in what's going on. Like recently, we just went through the first round of our new core values and what our plan is for the future. And I share those core values with my email list to get some feedback. You guys can literally control the destination of this podcast, of this community we're trying to form. And uh, lastly, uh just help me spread the word, please, of this mission to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Uh, I cannot do this alone. If you are finding value in this podcast right now, please share this sucker with everybody and anybody you know who's aspiring to be great in the industry. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>